Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. and grill in the title i'm jeff johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the gulf of mexico from the wild wilds and winter of australia we've got nicole halton from inspired ec how you doing nicole great how are you doing i'm 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 doing i'm doing good uh went uh went on a on a romantic outing with the wife yesterday well we, uh sorry yeah, we we recently I, I mentioned in an episode a little bit ago we we added we now have a fleet of kayaks. There are now there are now two kayaks down at the beach. Uh, uh, got, there's my my uh, tipsy mermaid and her dancing dolphin, and uh, yeah. and we went out on we went we went to the coffee shop in our kayaks the other day. So uh, that involved I thought it was going to be closer to three miles, but it was only about a a, a two and a half mile paddle. And you know, we just I have no idea sh- how far that is. That's uh, to about <laughs> four or five k. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good paddle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then we you know just pulled to shore and 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 walked up the up the street to the coffee shop and then and then paddled home. So it was it was about uh, two hours of paddling and forty five minutes at the coffee shop. But it's a nice way to get a little <laughs> little bit of romantic workout and relaxing though. Hmm? the paddling's relaxing sure sure except i haven't been for a kayak for a while but i love it i well i look i've spent a lot i've got a lot more hours at sea than than tasha does and and i was but she's she's one she's a badass and i was kind of paddling along leisurely sightseeing and then and then she's way up ahead of me and so i had to i had to sprint to catch up with her because i was i was feeling left behind and and so she's she's uh i, I don't know she got uh beefy kayak shoulders or something and uh and for those listeners that are concerned i, I finally i did get a, a, a flotation device so so now it's less likely I'm gonna I'm gonna drown um when I'm out okay. at sea. So that's uh that's nice. Now, now we're already planning longer trips. This is cause cause it's a baby step thing, right? So we do this this Absolutely. short outing, and then the next one is gonna gonna be a little bit longer, and then a little bit longer is the next one. We got first first we're gonna paddle to a restaurant, and then we're gonna paddle to a different restaurant the other way, and then we're gonna go paddle to a far away restaurant, and uh, and it's all all preparation for a overnight trip we want to take sometime in a couple of years, and so okay. it's 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 fun while we're doing it, but it's also preparation for something we're hoping to do down the road. So that's been kind of a a fun thing here at the snuggery. That is a fun thing. It makes me want to like semi-retire and ship the kids out and do fun stuff. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, you can't. Where you? Where? Where would you ship them to? The grandparents? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. My my thirteen year old's already on the countdown. He's like, only five more years, and I can like move out. I'm like, okay, you'll technically be an adult, but I don't think you'll be moving out. Like, I can't see that happening straight away. So, you know, the cost of living here is astronomical. <laughs> People can't afford to buy a house. <laughs> You're not moving anywhere. You'll be home forever. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be with us forever. Um, <laughs> well, then he can make dinner while you're out kayaking or something. Well, this is true I am already training them all to make dinner and you know do washing and whatever I figure if you're gonna have three children they've got to pull their weight yeah you got to get you got to get something out of them they got to pull their weight yeah so I miss we were messaging about what we we're going to talk about the other day and I mentioned uh, a frailty as as a thing and it's something I want to talk about but I'm a little bit uncomfortable talking about it because um, I'm scared if we've got listeners that are feeling fairly frail at the moment when we get into this, I don't want to, I don't want to offend or upset. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dick. I, I live it. I own it. Um, but also I want to, I want to talk about this without, without hurting anybody. Um, very rare for me. Um, <laughs> but so the, the reason I've been the reason I've been thinking about this is um you got this neighbor guy and he must be 347 years old and he he looks as if uh, a moderate breeze would turn him to dust and blow him away. He's like uh, Monty Burns from The Simpsons. <laughs> That's yes. Exactly what I'm picturing. Um, 347 yes. years old, breeze is going to blow him over. He's Monty. That's Bell. that's about it. Um, I've seen him a couple times with uh with an oxygen tank on. Um, uh, well, you know, and he just he just really really slow moving, and that is the the exact opposite of what I want to be when I'm 340 yes. whatever years old. I said, um. And so, you know, I, I talk regularly about, you know, I, I got into working out a while, a little bit ago, and that turned into strength training. And, and that's my, that's kind of my, my go-to self-care thing now. And part of the reason is I don't want to be a frail old dude. Because I get that. I get that. I don't want to be a frail old dude either, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I see that even with well, I saw that with my grandparents as they aged, but even with my own parents now watching them, you know, I'm like, oh, you aren't able, like neither of them are as active as they, not that I think either were particularly active, but you know, I'm like, you're not as active. I don't want to be that. And that sounds yeah. like an awful thing to say. And sometimes I think, oh, that's really harsh, but it's more just that I, I see myself as active and, strong and capable and you know I don't want to be this frail old lady sitting inside with a you know knee rug because if I go outside it might be too hot or it might be too cold and I might you know break a hip like I, I yeah. don't want that and I know I know age happens to all of us but there is definitely that fear that you know I will become frail yeah and if you if you are old and frail and you fall down 
your hip is going to shatter and mm -hmm. you're, you're much more likely to struggle with uh, any real rehabilitation that's going on. If yeah. you're, if you're not frail, and you can you can take steps to prevent it. Um, less likely you're going to fall down. Less likely you're going to yeah. break a hip, and less likely you're going to have problems recovering. And so, as a as a newbie old guy, I <laughs> I want to I want to keep that at bay. And so that's that's where I that's where my mind has been around frailty. Um, it's it's been the physical side, and then and I've looked at I, I you know kids are. I, I mean, it's kids are measurably more frail physically than they were uh, decades ago. Uh, I think the last time I talked to Angela Hanscom, she was talking about this that that on um, some pediatric occupational pediatric um, physical therapist uh, site, they were talking about grip strength and how it has yeah. decreased over you know kids today have a grip strength that is that is much weaker than kids in the 80s did and kids in the 50s yeah. had much stronger grips than the kids in the 80s and so there's been this this weakening of of children and and so kids are physical physically frail but then if you if you keep on thinking about this i think emotionally there are a lot more frail people out there in the world than there used to be. And, and maybe it's just my old guy view of the world. But when you start looking at the, the number of, of kids that are on antidepressants and attempting suicide and, and the, the number of, of young women between the ages of 12 and 35 that, that do things like cut themselves as a way mm -hmm. of, of coping and feeling powerful and control in their lives and um, the, the, the rates of self-medication and all of these things, it, it, there, there is some evidence out there that people are feeling fairly frail yeah. and I, I i i don't know what we i don't know how we got here or what we do about it and and look listeners if you're you're feeling either physically or or emotionally frail and you're listening to this episode um i i my heart goes out to you and i'd, I'd like to know you know, look, part of my job is creating resources for early learning people. What, what, what would be helpful um, is where I'm at. But so I've ranted for eight minutes. Thoughts? Okay. I have lots of thoughts. So, I, well, I broke my thoughts down into two kind of main things. So physical and emotional. So the physical, the notes that I had were definitely around Angela Hanscom's work, obviously. Um, and I noticed this myself with children like you know I have young children so when we're at playgrounds and things like that I actually notice that with children you know the physical capabilities and strength and you know what it has really declined um, in children and I've noticed that even in the you know 20 odd years that I've worked in early childhood there's just been a real shift in you know children's strength and I think a lot of it comes down to the way in which children play um, you know the the restrictions on risky play, on rough and tumble play, on that highly physical, unsupervised outdoor play. You know, when I was a kid, it was the go off and play out in the, you know, back paddock and we'll see you in a few hours and, you know, you're building cubbies and you're doing these big body things, but you're also, and this ties in with the emotional stuff, 
you're also kind of doing it on your own or with friends and, you know, like you're not hovered over. And, you know, I think um, I was actually listening to a podcast the other week and they were talking about kind of helicopter parenting and what impact it's had on kind of young adults now. So people who are kind of, you know, in their late teens, early 20s who are, you know, in university or are starting jobs and whatever. And this podcast, they were talking about how there's reports of, you know, parents ringing up university lecturers and saying, oh, you know, such and such hasn't done their assignment because, um, oh, they've just had a really hard week, you know, our cat died or whatever. And like those things are tricky. Yeah, they're definitely tricky to navigate, but, you know, this kind of hovering and helicoptering that become really prominent probably in the, I think probably the 90s, maybe 90s parenting seemed to be a bit helicoptery um, and early 2000s. But I think that has led to a generation of younger people who don't don't know how to do things for themselves and, you know, kind of tend to be that bit more frail or fragile or, you know, and so I definitely kind of see that. One thing I did note down that I wanted to mention too is that I think it's part of it, part of what we're seeing as frailty or fragility or whatever is the flip side of us being more aware about you know mental health and emotional well-being and you know I think that's so important that we're aware of that you know we're aware of how important it is to take care of ourselves to you know talk to people if we're having struggles to you know all of that is so important but then the flip side of that is that we seem to be seeing so much more of that I don't know if it's vulnerability or what it is which is a good thing but it's also a challenge too, you know, and it's a challenge then to how to support those people. So, you know, where once upon a time it was kind of suck it up and deal with it, you know, you're having a rough day, suck it up and deal with it. Um, you know, I had, I had a relative recently who said, you know, they had a young staff member who said, oh, you know, I just, I think I need to like take a step back. You know, I'm, I'm overworked, I'm burnt out. They were working like one day a week. Um, and you know they were finding it too hard and it's just too much and you know I I don't have time for all the other things in my life and you know they that was all they had really was their one day of work and it was all too much and you know I look that could be an individual circumstance and as I say it's not you know and I guess like you said at the beginning I'm cautious of you know you don't want people to feel oh that their emotional stuff isn't important because it is important and it and it's okay to say I'm not doing okay but as you say how do we actually support children how do we support educators how do we support the educators to support the children you know like what what can we do particularly for you know young children to kind of prevent some of that frailty yeah because I mean my my inclination is to say, suck it up, buttercup, and yeah. <laughs> and get on with it because that's pretty much what I grew up with. How you grew up, yeah. And Same. look, I mean, it worked pretty well as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't think I'm particularly frail um, <laughs> physically or emotionally. Um closed off partitioned emotionally you actually i don't think you are though like i think 
you're one, probably one of the few men that I know who's comfortable to talk about, you know, burnout and about, you know, how to say I'm not doing okay, or I need to take time to do something for myself and look after myself and whatever. Hearing you talk about, you know, self-care and burnout and whatever, I think is so, that's a great indication that that idea of, you know, suck it up buttercup probably wasn't damaging then I guess we get into that cycle of just because something's you know I'm okay I turned out fine it's kind of like the whole smacking debate people go well I was smacked as a child and I turned out fine you know so perfectly fine I do think there is a need for us to you know support people to be you know more vulnerable in terms of their emotional well-being whether they're doing okay whether they're not doing okay but the physical stuff, I think, is something that's probably we can definitely work with more. I think we can definitely support people in terms of the emotional stuff. The physical stuff, though, I think that's an easy thing to change. Sure, sure. It's uh, it's creating environments for ourselves and little humans that involve uh, basically just more heavy work. Heavy work is activity yeah. that pushes or pulls against the body or involves carrying. And and so you can, the kids, that's the way they build that grip strength, the proprioception and vestibular uh, c- control. And, and all of this kind of great stuff happens when we're up and moving. And we've created early learning environments where where kids are expected to be still. Yeah, because because those are the good kids, right? The kids that are sitting still and yeah. and not running around climbing on things are are the well behaved ones. But they're also they're also frail, and yeah. and and they're so the ones that Angela Hanscom talks about, you know, are falling off their chair because they've yeah. got no core strength. Yeah, <laughs> they can't actually physically hold their body up because they've got no core strength. Yeah, yeah, they, their their hands are more like flippers because they they just yes. kind of flop around. They're they're kind of and and it's it, look it's I, I feel look I don't feel bad about laughing about a lot of things, but I feel I feel almost bad laughing about this because it's a it's a hard place a to problem. be because those those little kids grow up to be adults who who can't they're twenty three years old and can't open their own jar of olives. Um, <laughs> look, my. My whole desire not to be a frail old guy is all olive based. I want to, I want to be able to, or, or food based. I want to, I want to be able to open my olives and my peanut butter. If you know, hey, this is true. We were actually at my mother in law's the other night, and she's she's not an old mother in law by any stretch of the imagination. She's not even sixty, so you know she's she's still a young mother in law, and she had um, I can't even remember what it was. It was something that she needed to open, and not a chance of being able to open it and you know my husband ended up opening it for her and she's like what would I do if he wasn't here like I just wouldn't be able to eat that thing and I'm like that's sad that yeah. you wouldn't be able to eat it yeah. my other thing is is, is I've, I've got cast iron pans and I want to I want to be able to I want to be able to cook food and so so yeah. I'm, I'm worried if I if I get old and frail I won't be able to oh, lift listen. my cast iron skillet I've got an oven oven dish that's like that. It's a big, heavy oven dish, uh-huh. and it literally requires you know full body strength to lift yeah. it in and out of the oven. And that's that's a thing too. You're like, I want to be able to do that, and I don't want to have to rely on somebody else to do that. Sure, and 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 <laughs> lift lift your own pot out of the oven. Um, oh. I mentioned a couple episodes ago that uh, back in. Back in February, Tasha Tasha started strength training, 
um, basically with uh, the same the same kind of routines that I'm using. And and like her her deadlift, you know, bending over and picking up a bar of weights went from from 80 pounds to over 150 um, in in a couple months. And yeah. and this is I mean, and she feels good and um, she's going to be a less frail old lady. Um, yeah. But the other thing, the other thing for for women is is do that physical activity um, build stronger bones and and yeah. things like osteoporosis and and uh, calcium loss is a is a real thing that uh, most listeners of this podcast are going to have to face. And if you can start taking taking action when you're 23 or 33 or 43, it's going to make you a a healthier and less fragile person when you're 73 or 83. And so Absolutely. so why not start putting in the work um on, on both the physical and emotional side. Now I don't know how how do we I don't know how we get less emotionally fragile look I think half of the half of the battle is probably that you know a lot of people have had a rough couple of years there's been a lot of stuff going on in the world and but if you look back through time okay there might not have always been you know worldwide pandemics but there's been other things there's always been wars and there's been you know hardship and there's been you know financial challenge and you know like there has always been that and a lot of it, you know, it comes back to that resilience. You know, a lot of it does come back to resilience. Like you said before, suck it up, buttercup. It it might be kind of a, you know, harsh throwaway kind of line. But the general idea behind it is, you know, what can, like, move on. You need to be able to move on. And I think it's that, you know, I know we talk about it a lot with young children that, building resilience is so important you know that ability to bounce back it doesn't mean you don't feel it when something happens and something goes wrong and you might have a meltdown you might have a moment of I just want to go cry in the corner but then you get up again and you go right I'm going to do this again that's not going to you know that's not going to define me it's not going to break me and mental health is a different thing altogether you know I think if you're talking diagnosed mental health conditions we're talking about a different beast but I just think in our general day-to-day that emotional frailty is around our ability to cope with change, to cope with, you know, things not going our way, to cope with, um, you know, adversity or like it's just that ability to go, okay, this sucks right now, but here's what I'm going to do about it. Here's how I'm going to take control of it or, you know, whatever. And I do wonder if some of that, you know, we talk about children wanting, like needing children to be resilient and, you know, wanting them to be independent, all this sort of stuff. And yet when they're little, you know, and from a very young age, we, and by we I mean often educators and parents, take away a lot of their control. So, you know, and we see that with toddlers, you take away their ability to control anything. We control it for them. We tell them what they're going to do, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, you know, all of those things. We make decisions for them. We take away their ability to have control. And so then when things happen later on in life, they actually don't know how to take control because they haven't been given the opportunity to learn how to take control, to actually make decisions for themselves, to be able to go, oh, this is a difficult situation. What do I do? I was talking to my son about it the other day and he has a mobile phone and it's, you know, got a $20 worth of credit or something on it each month. And, you know, it's basically for when he catches the bus to and from school you know, if the bus is running late, he can call me and say, you know, 
or even just send me a text message and say the bus will be 20 minutes late I'm you know not going to be home until later or whatever so we've got like that little bit of contact and I think it was about a week ago um I got a new credit card and so the recharge didn't happen on his phone it used to happen automatically it didn't happen and so then we got a notification to say it wasn't charged and so then I had to try and do that well then there was all these glitches and you know, it just wasn't happening and so he had two days where he had you know no credit on his phone and he's like but what do I do like what do I do if the bus is late and I'm like he said what if I what do I do if like two days ago when the bus didn't show up at school and I had to call you, what do I do? And I'm like, go into the office, like solve the problem, do something. <laughs> I'm like, what could you do? And I thought, you know, even just simple things like technology has taken away some of our ability to think for ourselves and to be resilient when things happen. Like when I was a teenager and, you know, before we had phones, if my bus didn't come, I would walk home from school. I mean, it's a lot further for him. It's like 15K, so he's not going to walk home from school. But, or, you know, like you find a solution. You come up with a solution. And, you know, I, I do worry that a lot of the choices that we make when children are really young has or does impede their ability to, you know, make those choices and come up with those solutions and be resilient and leads to that kind of frailty and that oh you know I don't know what to do like I'm just yeah I don't know what to do you know they fall apart so I <laughs> it, it 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 seems like we're both on opposite sides of the world and it seems like we've both we're both living in in cultures where the educational system is intentionally, or, or, or no, let's not get to the intentional yet, but with got educational systems that are actively creating frail human beings, physically and emotionally. Yes. And and so my question is: Is that accidental or is it intentional? Oh, look, you could get into such a debate about that, I think. You know, we've talked about it. I know Tasha and I have had this conversation before. You know, there is, you you do, and you start to sound like a, you know, tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist, but it's like, it, particularly in our government school systems, it is, it is about compliance and it's about making, you know, we saw it, and I'm going to get controversial, but we saw it with the pandemic, where it's you will stay home and you will get this vaccination and you will do this and you will do that and everyone goes okay you know there was a there was some pushback in some parts of the community but for a large part of the community it was like well shit I don't know what's going on I'm scared I I can't look after myself I can't make rational decisions for myself okay tell me what to do and you know and there were elements of that and I think we probably all at some point or another you know I can remember when it all kind of first happened having a big moment of bursting into tears and thinking oh my gosh what on earth do you do like what do you do you know we're being told you can't leave your house you can't do this your children can't go to school you can't go to work like what do you do and that moment of helplessness but then it's like well shit you know I actually have to step up and do something what can I control you know, what can I control without breaking the law, um, which became difficult. 
but what can I control? And I think that's where you get down that whole conspiracy theory rabbit hole because there are definitely people who went, hang on a minute, you know, we are, we're conditioning people to be mindless followers. Wow, this really took a turn. Um. Yeah, and and I and I one hundred percent agree. Um, I during during the whole pandemic thing, I wore a mask to the dentist's office twice because that's the way I got to get my tooth fixed, and I wore a mask uh, to the grocery store three or four times um, because people were doing it, and I was. But 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 that's it. Um, mm. I, I didn't, I didn't get a, a vaccine because I didn't think I've never, never had one of those shots. Um, not because I'm, I'm an anti-vax. I'm, I'm very pro-vax. I, I, you know, malaria, um, polio. Choice. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer a vaccine that, that actually works though. And we had no, I had no indication that what they were, were pumping into people actually worked. And so I was, but, but also my big thing was I wasn't, I wasn't at, at, at a whole lot of risk because of my age mm. and my fitness level, it was very unlikely that I would get any much more than, than a, a cold or flu symptoms and I would be fine because you know, who was, you know, who was dying during, during the COVID pandemic, people who were physically frail, people, frail people, frail people, people. old people. Look, frail. You know, I, I don't want to dismiss the fact that there are some people who were allegedly perfectly healthy sure. who, sure died as a result and you know so there'll be people who listen to this who go hang on i know someone who was healthy and sure you know that, that will no doubt happen but when you talk about self-risk assessment and being able to make decisions for yourself being able to identify hang on a minute you know i'm pretty healthy i eat well i'm fairly active i you know i wash my hands like <laughs> really kind of simple stuff but you know I, i'm taking those kind of responsible choices and i'm not putting myself in high risk situations then i feel like you should be able to make those decisions for yourself and you know that's where it became really challenging here there were so many things that were enforced on us if you wanted to work in early childhood you had to be vaccinated and mm -hmm. so there was a whole bunch of people who left the sector completely because yeah. they went, well, I'm not prepared to do that. I don't want to be told what to do. I want to have the choice. You know, some of those people even said, I plan to get vaccinated, but I'm not doing it right now. And I'm not doing yeah. it because you told me to. Mm -hmm. And Good you know, for them. I think, yeah. And I think that's, you know, where you could get back to that idea of, you know, what the school system's doing. And I think, you know, again, that's such a huge topic, but I think, you know, in general, it's, it is a it's about compliance it's about you know doing as you're told it's about fitting in it's about you know needing needing somebody else to control you and that ties in with being frail is needing someone else to take charge yeah yeah well i mean somebody who is frail is easier to control and yes. a group of people who are frail are easy to control so why not create a a group of, of, frail of frail frail people um and 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 look i i'm i look i don't have a tinfoil hat um I, although i do i do put a, I love a conspiracy theory though sure i do <laughs> I really well do. you know it would only be a conspiracy theory if it if it wasn't true 
Um, but there's plenty of evidence that that points to the fact that people are intentionally being made frail. And yeah. so I think the way we push back against that, and, and look, lots of parents are doing this, the the number of kids that are being homeschooled oh, has, has skyrocketed. Yeah. The number of kids that are in private or charter schools has skyrocketed because yeah. families have decided, I don't want my child to be frail anymore. And yeah. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a change. Now, not everybody can do that or not everybody is ready to do that. And I understand. Um, but, you know, parents and early learning programs that have two fucks to give about this topic should be should be taking steps to to make sure the young kids that they have in their lives are are being given opportunities to build some resilience and some physical strength and older people young adults who live through that generation of of imposed frailty have some tools for getting beyond that otherwise mm -hmm. we as a world we're fucked yeah and I think, you know, if if we talk, you know, a lot of our listeners are going to be working with children kind of birth to five. We know how important that period of time is. And I get that there'll be people who say, oh, yeah, but what's the point? Because then they go off to school and it's just all out the window. But the point is, is that we start strong, you know, like we yeah. start strong. We've got the ability to do that and we give them those tools and you know my kids are in the school system they're in a private school and a school that we chose because we feel it's probably the best option doesn't mean it's the best option but it's the best option out of what we got and without homeschooling and look seriously I was very traumatized by the whole remote learning schooling at home thing so it's just not going to happen but you know like there for me it's okay if if I know that at school they're going to be doing things that, you know, sitting still in a chair for bloody ages or whatever. Thankfully, their school doesn't. But, you know, if I know that, then it's my responsibility that the time outside of school is, you know, I'm working on those physical things. I'm working on that emotional resilience and, you know, like I, that's my job. So it's kind of, you know, I fill in the gaps, I suppose, where school might miss out. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's wrap this up. Hey, listeners, um, I've been doing a series on resilience with Stephanie um, because that's kind of where her her background is. And I'm going to I'm going to bring up fragility with her in a, in a coming on the next time we could record, probably. So this probably isn't going to be the the last time we touch on this on this topic. And 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 look, we touched on on covid. I was um, uh, I, I chose not to participate in the pandemic. Um, I'm, I, and you know, I got my views on it. I'm not judging anybody who did anything different than I do. Everybody's got to make their own choices. That's and it was, crazy. it was a hard fucking time. The thing that, that I try not to think about because it pisses me off so much is the fact that all of the quote unquote experts who locked down the world, uh, still have their jobs. And yeah. if they left the jobs they had, they moved on to bigger and better jobs, or they've retired with with big, big, big government pensions. Um, fuck those guys. One of the one of the ways we change the system of 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 creating frail generations 
is we take the jobs away from those people who have those jobs. Now, I don't know who we replace them with because anybody that wants those jobs is probably nearly or just as bad. Mm. And I wish I had a better view of humanity. I try. I try. Listeners, I know you're all great. Um, I I don't know where we go. Yeah, I, it's it's a hard one. It's we're sort of stuck. Yeah, <laughs> we're sort of stuck. <laughs> That's a bit depressing. Hey, listeners, this has been the Child Care Bar and Grill. We're all screwed. Um, no, um, that was almost a serious <laughs> episode, huh? We almost it was. That was for, pretty serious. So for a little, at least a couple much. minutes. A couple yeah. minutes. Uh, nobody's probably listened this far anyway, so I probably. <laughs> like, they've gone down the conspiracy rabbit hole. We're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey, listeners, if you're still listening, I appreciate it. You can flop on over to playhaven.com if you want to you wanna talk about this or anything else. It's just a fun little uh, community of practice we're building. You can join me for Child Care Bar and Girl Happy Hour the fourth Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m., um, you got to register. You can go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes. It's just a quick Zoom registration. So I know who's going to show up and we'll talk about whatever the hell you want to talk about. Uh, it's happy hour. Cocktails are encouraged, but not mandatory. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast, your most resilient and least frail early learning podcast. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.